if you're an established designer and you're looking to take your business to the next level, or maybe you're feeling a little bit stuck and uh, not sure how to market or sell your services and whether you're going around in circles and throwing spaghetti at the wall, I want to let you know that we have a new program available. It's called Clients. It's a 10-week program working with me weekly to build your leads and get clients into your business. The link to join is in the show notes. We start very soon. So join the wait list and be first to know when we start. Hello and welcome to Interiors Insider, a podcast for the interior design industry. I'm going to pull back the curtain on the business of interior design. I'm going to share with you what's worked and what hasn't worked in my own business and those I've worked with along the way. Join me each week where I hope to inspire you to take action and follow your dream just like I did. With action, I believe your success is inevitable. I'm Kylie Tyrrell. I'm your host. Let's go backstage. Hello and welcome to our very first episode of Interiors Insider, the podcast. I guess this means that we're pretty serious and that we've decided that we're going to do big things and move through fear and finally get this podcast up and running. Right now, I'm sitting in my study. It's a Tuesday night. It's probably about two weeks prior to the podcast being launched. I have a face mask on and I have a quiet house, so I've decided to record this episode. So I'm glad I don't have my camera on so you don't have to see me with my face mask on. Talking about face masks, as we do just for a moment, my favourite go-to face mask right at this moment is the Zoe Foster's range. I love her face mask. It's so lush. But I digress. So today's first episode, let me talk to you about some takeaways that I've received. Every person that comes into Interiors Insider is given about 10 questions to answer just to help me get to know them a little bit better, hear about their journey. Often a lot of them do have a journey before they get to me. You know, they've been feeling something or come up against some roadblocks that have really stopped them or prevented them from moving forward in their own business. So today, as the very first episode, I thought I would share my 10 biggest takeaways from surveying over 100 design startups and career change mums. So number one is getting your first client is really hard. And, you know, I can so relate to that. I remember when I first started, and you might have heard my story somewhere along the line, um, I remember going out for dinner with my mum's group and I remember saying to them, how on earth am I ever going to get my first client? I remember that conversation. I remember where we were. We were in a Greek restaurant in Ivanhoe. And I just remember thinking, I don't have any idea how I'm going to get my first client other than it being a friend or a family member. This is a real block, I guess, and definitely something that I had to work through. You know, you can actually work through this and find a way because the best way to do that is to not give up and to just keep going no matter how many doors you knock on and hear no, you need to just keep going until you hear a yes 
And when you hear a yes, you just go, okay, I'm going to do this. And then behind the scenes, you do whatever you can to deliver that most amazing transformation or whatever your scope of work is. What I would just like to say on this is definitely it is the number one thing that holds people back, getting clients, but it is possible. And when we come into Interiors Insider, we talk a lot about how to get those clients. But in first thing to get a client, you really need to know who you're trying to get as well. So that's a big thing that we go through. Number two on the list as something that's holding our new grads or career change mums back from starting their businesses, they have actually no idea where to start. And I see this really often. They just don't know where to start. They don't know whether to start with their marketing, you know, trying to get clients. They just really have no idea on how to start their business. These whole 10 Um, scenarios that I'm going to give you today is really the reason why I started Interiors Insider because these things just kept popping up all the time. I could almost predict them now because I've surveyed so many startups that I know exactly what they're going to say. So, you know, they might vary slightly, but most often than not, their language is all the same as well when they're talking to me about this. So, having no idea where to start. So where to start with creating a business. And as I was saying, you're actually not taught this at design school. You're not taught how to run a business. And at the end of the day, this is very much about learning how to sell, how to market and how to run a business in the back end. And whilst you might be the most amazing, creative and highly talented if you don't get the back end set up of your business properly, you will actually find it really hard to scale your business and get going. The third uh, reason I get is pricing is not shared openly in the industry. It's a big thing that really prevents us from knowing what to do. So therefore, because we don't know what to charge, We feel like we're not serious in our job. We feel like we um, don't know what we're doing and that may then lead to us coming across to our clients that we don't know what we're doing. So therefore, that will stop us moving forward in our journey to be an interior designer or starting our own business. So pricing is definitely not openly shared in the industry. I do have a document that I've just put onto, you can find it on interiors.insider on Instagram, which is an industry pricing and services guide. And I was selling this at $47 most recently, but I decided this is such a big issue in our industry that after working with so many designers and talking to so many designers, I really just asked the question of, you know, what services they offered and how they price themselves. So it's a free document. It's going to help you to get moving. If you haven't already downloaded it, please head to interiors.insider on Instagram. Go into the link in the bio and you can download that for free. It'll help you get started in terms of what to charge if you're a beginner, if you're in intermediate or if you're an advanced interior designer. So that document's there to help you get started. It was a big issue. I don't believe it's such a big issue anymore. I mean, Interiors Insider, I think, is breaking down the walls a little bit. And as we, you know, start to share more and more of behind the scenes of this industry, it's helping more and more women 
and men get started and get their businesses up and running. Today's show is brought to you by our major sponsor, TM Solicitor. Tracy is a trusted partner of Interiors Insider. She partners with you to navigate your legal obligations and protect you and your business as you grow. So, so important before we even start our businesses and reaching out to clients that we are protected. You can find Tracy at TM Solicitor on the gram or tmsolicitor.com.au. Number four is imposter syndrome and lack of confidence holds me back. I've put that as number four, but I would actually say that's probably close to number one. I see so often imposter syndrome rearing its head. I think it rears its head more so with women, but I also think it's also to do with not being knowledgeable and having all your ducks in a row. So when we don't know something and we don't know how to do something, it actually makes us feel not confident to move forward in our businesses. So imposter syndrome is real. It prevents a lot of businesses moving forward. And, you know, one of the biggest things that I saw moving, you know, through this and starting this mentoring and business coaching was a lot of women would invest in design school, wherever that may be, and just freeze after they'd finished their studies because they just didn't have the confidence or I guess maybe it was also the accountability and the network to actually keep going with their chosen careers. You know, a big reason of why I'm here today is to stop that and try and help these women do what they love and give them the confidence to move forward. And I really believe that fear definitely does hold us back. But if we move through fear, on the other side of fear is always something so, so amazing. And whilst at the time it can be very confronting, I do believe that with the right support and community behind you and accountability, you can actually um, move through fear and get to the other side. So one of the biggest issues holding uh, women back in this industry Number five on my list is that the industry is really secretive and competitive and I totally agree with this. I do believe it is changing and, you know, there are really some designers who are very open and really willing to share. Like I have a a most amazing community that I'm a part of that is absolutely willing to share but I do get that the industry is competitive because, you know, the more I analyse it and the more I get to know about, you know, the way we think in this industry is that if I take you back to reason one, getting your first client's really hard. So when you crack the code and when you actually work out and get your clients, the last thing you want to do is to have them taken away from you. So I can understand that as an industry, we do get protective of our clients and of our work. But I do also think that as we get busier, we don't get the time to share information with the new generation of interior designers. And whilst, you know, we might all love the idea of spending hours sharing, usually we are juggling many things. You know, we're mums, we're juggling home, we're juggling a relationship, children, and a business. So it doesn't leave us enough time to actually 
spend a lot of time helping new designers get through the industry. So I do get that it can come across as secretive and competitive, but after being in the industry for 13 years, I think it's not so much that it is secretive and competitive. I think it's just that we're very busy in the industry and we're busy with life and that makes it really hard to have time to share because every bit of time we've got, we spend it, you know, running our businesses. So that does come across, I think, to the the new generation of interior designers that, yeah, maybe if we're not sharing, we are being secretive. So number six is how do I present my proposal to the client? And that might mean how do you do that through email, in person, or, you know, scope of work. It can mean a lot of different things. But I think when you're first starting, you know, we are not taught the actual process of conversing with our client and presenting to them. We're not taught the right order. And, you know, and in all fairness, that order can really change dependent on what services you're offering and, you know, how you want to deal with your business. So, the biggest thing that I've learned in speaking to lots of women and men is that the way you converse and present to your clients will really be a result of how you like to work. In saying that, you probably will need the guidance of a peer group or a mentor to actually help you start pulling that together so that you've got a starting point. Yeah, there's lots of ways to present to your client and we go through a lot of those together as a group. The expectations of this industry and clients is growing and, you know, I've said this previously in a couple of seminars that I've run, you know, gone are the days where we can present or be an interior designer and slap together a logo and pull together a bit of information. It's really becoming a very professional industry and, You know, we are trying to attract high-end clients because they're the ones that can pay us and that means that the documentation that we submit or put forward to our clients needs to be of a really elevated standard and, um, you know, it needs to be on brand and it needs to look and feel amazing. So, you know, that's something that you really do need to consider when you're starting is making sure that the way that you're presenting is attracting the client that you really want to have and that it's the client. So if it's a high-end client, then you need to be presenting in a high-end manner. So uh, number seven is what do I include in my contract? So that another big thing that I get in the group is the legals. We are very fortunate to be sponsored by TM Solicitor here at Interiors Insider. Tracy is our major sponsor for the podcast. And, you know, she has a wealth of knowledge in terms of, you know, what our obligations are as interior designers and how we need to make sure that we're covering ourselves and our homes and our our families as well. So um, really important that we get the legals and our contracts done professionally and by a professional um, so that we can ensure that, you know, if something was to happen that we are covered and we're not going to lose our house or our business. Without being too dramatic, yeah, the contract is super, super important 
And it's probably something that I'd really suggest that you all invest in very early on. It is a business expense and it is, you know, expensive when you're first starting out, but so is a legal case or, you know, being taken to court or whatever, having some legality put on you. You know, I never never forget a time when I went in and hung something on the wall in a brand new home and it fell off the, so the picture fell off the wall. It pulled some plaster off. It fell onto a sideboard. The sideboard was glass. It broke and then it dented the new floorboards in the house. So I feel really fortunate, luckily, that I was covered. But, you know, that they're the simple things that can happen. And this actually happened after I'd left the job. So the house was empty. The the picture fell during, you know, whatever, middle of the night or whatever and did this damage. So, you know, I had to be able to get that fixed. And these are the things that can happen. It could be a tradie that comes into one of your jobs and has a nail in their boot or something and ruins the floor. You know, we never know what can happen. Um, so we need to make sure that we're legally protected in everything that we do. So that's seven and eight are pretty dissimilar. They were seven was what do I include in my contract and eight is how do I cover myself legally? So I think we covered that. The other thing that new designers and startups come to me with is how do they deal with difficult clients? So that's a really big one. I think that that comes down to a lot of boundaries and also it comes down to your onboarding document and the way that you like to, you know, have your clients deal with you. So, you know, the more we can be crystal clear in our communication and set the boundaries is far more easier for us to deal with difficult clients because there's a process and there's a roadmap that we use. So difficult clients will happen. That's, you know, the nature of any business. But the way we deal with them and the way that they can affect us you know, it can actually stop a lot of people starting their businesses or put a a halt. You know, one bad experience can stop people from keep going in their business and we don't want to see that happen. So, yeah, for me, it's all about creating boundaries and it's making those boundaries and processes very clear to my clients so that they know what processes we follow and they know what's next. They know when to contact me. They know how to contact me. So, you know, what we allow is what we get. So, yeah, we need to make sure that we have those set up from the very start. And lastly, number 10 is social media and how to deal with that, how to set themselves up on social media, what do they post, you know, how do they show up and show their face and talk on social media. And one of the biggest ones questions I'll get is, you know, what do I say on social media? And whilst it is very much a learned activity and I think, you know, the more you practice it, the better you get, it is moving through fear and it is really not worrying about what other people may think and just trying to, you know, just create that whole know, like and trust factor with our audience and it's so crucial to growing our business. And if, you know, you're thinking of starting a business and this is something that's, you know, really holding you back, you've got to find the power to move through this because in this day and age, people want to see you. They want to see the face behind the brand. They want to know you and it's really the only way that they can trust you. So 
so important for you to get a, a marketing plan, a social media plan, stick with a platform. For us in the interior design industry, I highly recommend Pinterest and Instagram. I'd been able to build my business. You know, 90% of my leads came out of Instagram for Gold Chalk and it allowed me to get in front of my ideal client and show them what I could do. We are so lucky as designers these days that we get a free platform to use to promote our businesses. And whilst, you know, we may not always like the changes that, you know, Mr. Instagram proposes like reels or, you know, notes or or whatever the, the latest thing is, I think it's really important that as designers, we stay on top of that and we keep producing work that, you know, really showcases the very best that we can be. So, yes, in summary, they are my 10 responses I got from startup designers and career change mums who are moving into the industry and what was blocking them. And if I had to say what was the number one block uh, that I get mostly is it definitely was pricing. I think we nearly got on top of that. But I'd have to say imposter syndrome, a lack of confidence is really big for any creative industry and learning how to get clients and selling and marketing yourself because we can all be amazing designers. But if we don't know how to sell and market ourselves, then we won't have a business or a sustainable business go forward. So I hope that's given you some insight into what our next generation of interior designers are thinking. You know, I get the privilege to work with these women and sometimes what they're feeling, they can really move forward and move through their fear. And I really see that happen a lot. I see them moving through their fear and I find that once they do that and they start showing up and they are consistent, that they start to actually get more confident and then what happens is it's almost like the law of attraction. They start attracting more clients and more attracts more and then before they know it, they're really getting a nice steady flow of clientele. So it's really important to address, you know, your fears, work through them and hopefully this has helped you Um, maybe address some of yours. Let me know via Instagram on a DM if you've got a fear that I haven't covered today. And I hope that that's helped you. If you do currently have a fear and it's holding you back and you're not starting your interior design business, I highly recommend just move through the fear. I promise you, surround yourself with amazing people, get into a group and get some accountability and get a design BFF it'll help you move through. And the other thing it'll help you do is that you'll realize that you're not alone. You're not the only one feeling like this. These are so common in any creative industry. So until next week, you know, happy designing. And I hope you all will join me again next week as I come to you with episode two. Okay. Ciao for now. Thank you so much for joining me today on Interiors Insider. If you'd like to learn more about what I do, head to the website, interiorsinsider.com.au. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I'd love you to take a moment and review the show if you found it helpful or share it with a design colleague. 
That way we get to help others on their design journey. Thanks again and I'll speak to you next time.